Amen. Okay, so we are in the, uh, in the middle of a series. Again, I don't know how long uh, we'll go for. We'll just let the Lord lead us. But we're doing a series called The Attributes of God. The Attributes of God. And the reason why I just felt led to, be, to just do this and teach on this for a little bit is because all of us face circumstances in our lives that the enemy or it's just life in general tries to come against a fundamental principle and an attribute of who God is. And we, as believers, of those who are trusting in God, have to get a new filter. You know what a filter is, right? A filter takes everything that's coming at it, and it only lets certain things go through, right? And so for me, I want my filter to be such that it is so clear that no matter what is coming at me, the only things that come through the filter are God's truth in God's word, in God's attributes. So no matter the situation, the circumstance, it doesn't matter what it is. We all have them. We all have these situations. Whatever that is that's coming at you, I want these attributes of God to be your filter to see life through. Almost like a contact lens. Nina and I were talking about con- It's like when you put in, so how many of you wear glasses or contact lenses? Okay, so you guys will get this analogy. So when I don't have my contact lenses in, and if I were to go play softball, I have problems seeing this. Hold on a second. Whoop. Brother Paul, did you catch me on that? I don't have a problem. I can see perfectly, and the Lord is actually working and healing my eyesight. My prescription has gone from like 2.25 to 1.25, right? So God's moving me in the right direction. Hallelujah. That's a whole other story on healing. However, what I'm saying is if I today decided to go out and play softball without my contacts in, I wouldn't see the ball coming quite as clearly as I would need to in order to get my glove up and to stop it from hitting me in the face. So these contact lenses that I put in, they give me clear sight. They allow me to see. In this series, what I want us to do is like putting in that fresh set of contacts. You know how many have had contacts in when you've had them in too long and they're feeling pretty dry? Or you've worn your glasses for like a month and never cleaned them? Yeah, you're like, how, you pick up someone's glass and say, how could you possibly even see through these things, right? How many have been there? Okay, so that's what I'm talking about this morning is that I want us to have such clear vision and such a great filter that no matter what comes at us, we understand who God is and what he's doing in any given situation. So an attribute here, an attribute as defined is it's a quality or feature regarded as a characteristic or inherent part of someone or something. So basically, it's something that is descriptive. Something that is part of God, who he is, and it does not change. It's an attribute of him. And I understand there's a lot of, I mean, we do this. We all do this. We have questions. Why did God allow that to happen? Where was God in that? What happened there? And really, we're walking through each of these attributes. When we're done with them, I don't know if we did this like 10 or 12. When we're done with those, we have this firm foundation of who he is. So attribute one was God is infinite. We pretty much understand that in theory. It's hard to wrap our heads around that in reality. Infinite, what does that mean? It's basically all of eternity from the beginning of time all the way through forever. He is infinite. He was always here. But we have to understand there is he doesn't work on the same timeline that we're on, right? We're, the life, Bible says that life is but a vapor, which means our time here on earth is very short in compared to eternity. 
It's very short. And so God works things, and he organizes things, and he orchestrates things, and he does things in our life that we wish would be different immediately. But he's working on something even bigger and greater. And we get to see it down the road, but it's frustrating sometimes when we're walking right through the midst of it. So God is infinite. We have to understand he does not work on our same timeline. Attribute two, God is immutable. This is one of the most important. Well, they're all important. But this attribute is important because it means that the rest of them we can understand through the lens that he doesn't change. God doesn't change. The Old Testament God, the New Testament God, the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow does not change. He's always the same. And the important part there is he cannot go against his word or his plans. He gave man and woman free will to choose. And because he did that, he can't change that anymore. That is what he made that, he established that. And that's the world that we live in currently. And in fact, I actually, most of the time I'm aggravated at that because of other people. (laughs) Come on, right? We're like, man, why did God give that person free will? (laughs) Right? Free will to choose how to speak to me, right? What to do and all this is like how to drive. Like, why does that person have free will how to drive? Right? When are all these autonomous vehicles going to make this place better? Right? They're not actually. I love to drive. I know you do too. Okay. But what I'm saying is we have free will. But the good part of being free will is we get to choose to worship him. God doesn't want to force us into a relationship. In fact, you don't want him to be forced into a relationship. How many people love to be enjoyed to be forced into something? Yeah, no hands going up. Especially the kids. <laughs> They're like, I don't like peas. I was forced to eat peas as a young child. I really dislike peas. And to this day, I still really dislike peas because I was forced into something. So God doesn't force us into a relationship with him. He, he says, you have a choice. You have a free will to choose a relationship with me. Attribute three is God is love. We understand that by what Jesus did, and we see that in Jesus' life and what he did for us. Attribute four is God is good. He is infinitely, unchangeably kind and full of goodwill. He is good. We can trust in him. Last week we did God is wise. He is full of perfect, unchanging wisdom. And we said last week that he knows what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And he wants to tell us, those things. And so it's, uh, that's what those handouts were uh, from last week. It's basically, uh, there's on, on the back table if you weren't here, but it kind of walks you through the process of hearing from God in a particular situation in which you need to make a decision or you need his wisdom in the situation. Okay, so this morning, here we go. We're all the way up to attribute number six. God is faithful. Say that with me, church. God is faithful. He is faithful, he is faithful, he is infinitely and unchangingly true. And I looked up this, this, this definition of faithful. Listen to this. I don't know if I have it up there or not. I'm not sure I do. I do? Oh, I do. Good job, Pastor Jason. Okay. Faithful is this. The fact or quality of being true to one's words or commitments. Whoa. Think about that for a second. God is unchanging. He is good. He is love. And then he is faithful. 
It is a quality of being true to one's word and one's commitment. <laughs> this book, the Bible, the word, infallible word of God, which means if he is faithful and he never changes, which means that he is truthful to his word and to his commitments, it means that every commitment that he's made in here, every truth that is in here, he will deliver on. Come on, church. This is a revelation that just kind of like floored me this week. He is faithful. He has established his word, and he will fulfill his word. And I've read the end of the book, church. I, we know what's going to go down. We know how it's going to happen. And Jesus will return, and he will establish, and we will be in heaven for all of eternity with him. And he will restore all things that were taken, that were lost, that were destroyed on this earth. He restores all those things. This is his word, and it's going to come to pass. And if we can live day in and day out with an understanding of this word, this is a living, breathing word, and the situation I'm faced with, the circumstance that I have, if I can get into this word and I can see it and I can understand it from his perspective and I can then believe on the truth, he's faithful. That's for me. That promise is for me. This promise is for me. That promise is for me. Because his word is true and he's faithful. And I think the challenge we all have is that people, we, we represent, just like we talked about how uh, we see God through the, through the lens of our father, our earthly father, and that's a really bad lens to look through. It's a bad lens for my kids to look through. It's a bad lens for everybody to look through because we are not perfect. The father's in the room here. The father's all across the world. We are not perfect. And so our children and people see through us a representation of the Father was just like, well, that's not right. That's not Well, we have to understand that we're not perfect, and we do fail, but God is perfect, and God does not fail. And so we can trust him. So look, people have let me down. People have let you down. They have been unfaithful, right? I mean, every time you turn on TV, there's something about someone being unfaithful in the news or in movies or everywhere. It's just everywhere you go. But he is not. Just because the world is, just because people are, because flesh and bone is, he is not unfaithful. He is always faithful, always delivers. God always does what he says he will do. Come on, church. He always does it. And then we have a situation that didn't work out exactly the way we want it, but there's a promise that says he restores all things, and he does all things. And you say, well, I don't understand why that person did get miraculously healed. Well, you can wonder all you want. Only God knows the reason. Maybe it was their faith. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. Maybe we just live in a fallen world. But here's what I do know, is that person who passed away and they understood and loved Jesus, they are now completely and perfectly healed. Which means his word is still faithful. And when circumstances and situations happen in our lives, we're like, well, I, if we can put it through this filter, say, well, no, 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 God is faithful. God is delivering on his promises. He will do what he says he will do. And we begin to walk and believe in that. And the interesting thing about this is, and I'll get to this in a moment, but I just feel like to say it now, faithful, we have to have faith in his faithfulness. We have to have faith in his faithfulness, which means we have to believe we have to believe that he is, in fact, faithful. Deuteronomy 7. I'm going to read a, a portion of scripture here. I'll try to read it pretty quickly. 
But I want us to understand that God has established a covenant with his people. And when he establishes a covenant with his people, he does not break it. He does not break it. And here we're going to be reading about a covenant that he established with Israel. And then we'll look briefly and understand that we as Gentiles are not of Israel, but we are then grafted in to the same covenant that is, he is our God, he is our Father, and he is with us and for us and faithful. When we get wrapped around and we're grafted into that, we can then stand on those same promises that he is always faithful. It says this in verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you, he's chosen you, church, to be a people for himself, a special treasure. Somebody need to hear that this morning. You are a special treasure to God. You may not feel it. You may not think it. But you need to understand that you are a special treasure to him. Above all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord, verse 7, did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of the peoples. Verse 8, but because the Lord loves you and because... He would keep the oath, church, faithful. He's keeping the oath, which he swore to your fathers, to our fathers. He swore and made a covenant that the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Verse 9, therefore know that the Lord your God, let's know these things. He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. A thousand generations. Now, it'd be interesting interesting to know how many a thousand generations would be based on when that was written, but I'm not getting into end time stuff. Okay, so a thousand, just maybe, I just thought of it now. A thousand generations for those who love him, those who love him and keep his commands. So the Bible was established from the beginning to the end that he is faithful and is a covenant for those who accept him to be in his family. So then Romans 11, if you go to the New Testament, Romans eleven sixteen, it says this. For the first fruit, if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So I love this analogy. Like we could just do a whole message uh, a sermon on this for the first fruit is holy, which basically says when you are grafted in, you are a part of God's family. You are now holy and righteous because of Jesus and because of what he did. Verse 17, and if some of the branches were broken off and you being wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. You now are becoming a partaker of God's promises of his blessing, of his mercy, of his goodness, and of his faithfulness. I'm going to skip to Isaiah 55. And I want us to just understand here a couple verses here on the word of God. Because if he is faithful, and this is his word, that means that his word has become established. Whatever his word says, then he is faithful to execute on his word. Look at this, Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not 
return to me void. Come on, church. Ever written out a check and had to write void on it real big? Right? Because, hey, you can no longer use that check. Right? You write void. V-O-I-D. I don't know why we write it so big, but we write it real big on the check. Do we people even write checks anymore? Okay, some people write checks still. Okay, you know, you don't just go on online banking and just start, you know, doing automatic payments. I don't write a whole lot of checks anymore, but we do write some. Anyway, so you understand, you know, when you get a new job and they say, hey, I need your banking account so we can do a direct deposit, give me a voided check. So what you do when you write void on that check means that check now is no. It's no good. Nobody can use it. But look at this. God's word never, ever, ever, ever returns void. There's no void ever written on any pages in this Bible. You can't find them. It does, you, there is no void. Even if you tried to write void, say, well, I think this is void. This doesn't work for me. It's not true. You're missing it. You're missing it because this is what the Bible says. My word shall go forth from my word and shall not return to me void. Anybody ever watch Over the Hedge? My kids have some. It's like a kid's movie. I'm thinking of the boomerang. What's the little chipmunk? Hammy, he takes his boomerang. And you think about what does a boomerang do, right? You throw it out and and it ends up coming back to you. What this is saying is, God's word, when we put it out there, when it begins to work in the circumstance, in the situation, it's not going to come back and smack us in the head saying, (laughs) that's what you thought. God's word isn't really true. Never happens. Can't happen. Because he is faithful. And it shall accomplish what I please. It accomplishes what he pleases. And it shall prosper. Look at that. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And so many times we actually use, we use scriptures and words on things that maybe are, don't apply properly and sometimes we wonder why things don't happen. But what this is saying is when it is what God's will is and the word of God that's established here lines up with God's will in our circumstance, in our situation, and then we begin to believe on his faithfulness and we begin to speak that word over our situation, whatever it may be, we begin to speak it and believe it and we build our faith in it, it will not return void. It will do what it says it was going to go do and it will be established in that manner. And we can trust in that. Hebrews 4 says this, starting in verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Verse 12. For the word of God is living. It's living. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of books out there. We just went to Erie County Public Library yesterday. Big library. The big one. Not the small one. Not the branch campuses. I'm talking the big one on the bayfront. Bring Niagara's down there. It's very nice. Very beautiful. But Maggie, my five-year-old, we're in the kids' area. She looks off to the right, we're looking out the windows, and the building goes all the way down to the right-hand side. She's like, Dad, is that still the library? Are there still books all the way down there? It's like, yeah, there are books all the way down there. And it hit me, there are so many words that people put on paper. There's so many words that we type up, so many emails and so many text messages that we do. But unless they're inspired by God, it's God's word that is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. 
It's his word that goes out and pierces. It's his word. It's this Bible. There's thousands of books. You only need one. Look, I'm not against reading. Grace, I love you, girl. She's our big reader. She loves to read books. I am not against reading books, even fiction books, even fiction books. Notice how I said that? A little judgy versus the nonfiction books. I'm just messing with you. I love you. What I'm saying is there are all these books out there, and there's nothing wrong with those. Well, there are some wrong things wrong with certain books. But in, you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm fumbling all over this analogy. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me just get back to the word, right? My mouth should just stop. Let me read it again. For God's word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit into the joints and marrow. That means deep. God's word penetrates deep. Only that God's word can do that. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Woo! That's why when you pick up the Bible, you read like one verse, you're just like, oh. What was that? And where did that come from? Yeah, we're reading through the Proverbs. Like, you just read one proverb, you're like, oh. Are you serious? You mean I got to do that? The only reason why God's asking us and calling us to do that is to walk in wisdom because he loves us. He knows there's safety in obedience. There's safety in that protection and the obedience of God. There are thousands and thousands of promises in the Bible. How about this one? Isaiah 41. Fear not, for I am with you. Can you walk around like this? Do you walk around like this? If God is faithful and he is true to his word, and he tells you and me to fear not, for I am with you, can we walk around that way? It's hard to sometimes. But we got to build our faith up in that. we got to hear the word of God. Hear the word of God and say, you know what, Lord? I will fear not. Why? Because you are with me. No matter what's going on in this situation, he is good, he is faithful, and he is with me, I will fear not. I will not be dismayed. For he is my God. He is the one who will strengthen me. He is the one who will help me. He is the one who will uphold me with his righteous right hand. There's like five promises right there. That's just one verse. Isaiah 41, 10. That's one verse. And there's like four or five promises that you can be sure of, that he will deliver on, that you can walk through life with that. If you remember nothing else from this, just remember this verse and walk around all week with this verse. Just walk around this week, all week. Just quote this verse when you wake up. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for God, you are with me. I will not be dismayed, for you are my God. You will strengthen me, you will help me, and you will uphold me with your righteous right hand. Say that every day for a week and see what happens. If the word doesn't return void, if it doesn't return void and he is faithful to establish it, and you can stand on it, and you can say, you know, I won't fear because God is with me. He will deliver me. He will help me. He will uphold me. If those are all true statements, then of course we don't have to fear. But we got to get ourselves understanding that that's who he is and that's what he's doing. If you look at the story of Joseph, story of God's faithfulness, you don't have to turn there. A lot of us know that story. Some of the kids, the kids even know the story from like Sunday school and stuff. Joseph, so God gave a vision to Joseph. He gave him a dream that all his brothers would bow down before him. And as the youngest of the family, youngest isn't in here, 
They are always free to share all the words and thoughts that they have in their minds and in their hearts with everyone else who is around willing to listen. So those who are youngest in the families here, you guys probably understand and can relate with Joseph, right? So he has this dream, and he tells his brothers that they're all going to bow down to him, and they're like, what is going on with this dude? I do not think so. And so they took him out, they threw him in a cistern or down like, you know, a little pit. Dude, younger brother, feels like I've, not, I've never been a younger brother, so I, you know, I feel for those who are younger siblings, Hunter. <laughs> I love you, bro. He's got an older brother. I can't even imagine, right? Okay, so he was, then he was sold into slavery, and then he was sold into Potiphar's house, and he rose up in the ranks. Then he was accused of this crime. We're talking years going by, right? Years upon years. Then he's ac- accused of trying to seduce Potiphar's wife. So she's like trying to get him because she's upset that he doesn't want to be with her. So she, he like, she like, you know, orchestrates this whole thing and gets him put into prison. He begins to interpret dreams for like the baker and, and the, the cupbearer and all these things. He gets overlooked. He becomes second in command. You know, even within the jail, they're like, he's just having blessing and favor. Yet none of his brothers have bowed down to him. But God gave him a word and established him in a word. And years upon years upon years have gone by. And then a famine comes, and the king has a dream, and Joseph interprets that dream, and immediately he goes from jail to second in command. From jail to second in command. Sometimes God moves suddenly. Sometimes he doesn't move suddenly, and we wish he would. But sometimes he does, and in this case he did. And then his brothers came because they needed food, and they came and they bowed down before him. And the dream was fulfilled exactly as God gave it to him. And I want you to understand that God has given you and you and you. He's given things in your heart. He's given you dreams. He's given you visions. He's given you words. And he's given you thousands upon thousands of promises here. You have to understand, just like Joseph, that that word will come true. And it will be established. That wasn't Joseph's timing. Joseph was like, man, maybe they'll all just bow down to me right here, right now. But that didn't happen. Years upon years upon years and challenges and difficulties, being thrown in a cistern, being sold into slavery, being put in jail, being forgot about. All those things happened. And then the dream that he had, the word from God was established. Same thing with Abraham when he was told that he would have a son, and how many years later it happened. And I've got many personal testimonies here that I could share, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about those next week. Grace, if you want to come up here. So here's what I want to end with today. I want us to understand what is our response to God's faithfulness. So any of these attributes that we're doing, it's great to understand the attribute, but a lot of times we want to walk out of here understanding it, but what is our response to this? What do we do? What do we say? How do we, how do we look at things differently based on our response now this morning to God's faithfulness? The first thing we have to do is discern the circumstance. I think this is very important because there are circumstances that happen in your life that all have not been ordained by God to teach you some kind of lesson. And as you look at the Bible, you see there are really, there are three different ways. 
and reasons for situations and circumstances in our life. And we have to put these through the filter that God is faithful. So we have to discern what's happening in our lives. So the first one could be a trial. They all start with T. Make them easy to remember. A trial. The reason sometimes we're in a trial is because we live in a fallen world. And there is sin. There is sin in our own lives. There is sin in man and woman, in creation. And so this is the reason our reaction to that is we need to repent if it's from ours, from a sin that we're walking in, and we can talk about that in the coming weeks of what repentance really looks like. But we also have to understand that we live in a fallen world, and we will have trials, we will have circumstances, we will have situations, and they have not all been ordained by God to teach us a lesson, because he is faithful and he is good. The second thing that comes and happens in our lives is temptations. Temptations come from the enemy. The Bible makes it very clear in James. It says, let no one say that I, when he is tempted, that he is tempted by God, for he cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. It's the enemy who does the temptation. And when we have a situation, a reaction, where we know that it's just evil and the enemy trying to orchestrate something in our life, our reaction to that is to take that believer's authority that we've studied and we learned and we understand. And we say, now I'm going to say, hey, no, 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 enemy. This is not God's goodness. This is not God's faithfulness. We're taking a stand here against this. Then the third T, we've got trials, temptations, and tests. The Bible does say that God does allow certain things to happen in our lives to show us where we're at. And if that's the case and your circumstance is driven and the Lord speaks to you and says, hey, this is a test, what does a test actually do? It shows you where you are. It shows you where you are in a situation. That's why we take a test. It shows us how much we know or don't know. And a reaction to this is if it's a test, say thank him for it, learn from it, and move on. Because if we don't learn, we end up going through the same test. If you fail the test, you've got to take it again. You fail the driver's test, you take it again. But when we understand what that test is in our life, when God allows something to happen in our life, he shows it. It's not because he's not good, it's not because he's not faithful, but he's been trying to reveal something that we need to grow on in our own lives. He's still faithful. Trials, temptations, and tests. Discern the circumstance. Second thing we need to do is know his word and promises. Church, know it. Get it on the inside. Isaiah 41.10, walk around with it every day this week. Know his word and his promises. If he spoke to you something specific in your life, write it down. Read it again. Go back and revisit it. Keep a journal. Keep a note on your phone. Go back and say, this is what the Lord said to me. I know this situation is happening. I know I currently don't have a job, but the Lord said, and his word says, he will provide for all my needs. He will pay every bill, and I'm standing on that word and that promise, not the circumstance or situation that I don't have a job right now. So know his word. Know his promises. Because he is faithful I'm a testament to that. My family, he is faithful to deliver on his word all the time. 
all the time. And the last one we need to do is we need to trust God and his timing. His timing. The Bible says, Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. His word will come to pass, but we have to have faith in his faithfulness. And that's what this is. Trusting God and his timing is us having faith in his faithfulness as an attribute. So close your eyes with me this morning. Just bow your heads for a moment. I want to read this last scripture over each of you because maybe you're here this morning you're just like, man, I know, Pastor Jay, you're saying God is good and God is faithful, but I just don't feel it. I just don't see it in my life. And we always say, just because we don't feel it, just because we don't see it in the moment, doesn't make it not true. Because if you believe in Jesus and he is real, you don't see him currently today, but you believe. And so I want to encourage you with this last verse here this morning of Romans 8, 28. So whatever situation it is that you're walking through, just even begin to picture it in your mind. And I want you to see that situation with the word, God is faithful. Almost like a rainbow, which would be a good analogy given that's why he gave us the rainbow. It's to fulfill his promise that he will never flood the earth again. God is faithful. See those three words written like a rainbow over your circumstance, over your situation, over your body, over your family, over your job, over your business, over your life, over anything that you walked in here with that is a challenge or a struggle. I want you to know and understand God is faithful. And the Bible says in Romans that we know that all things work together for good. Every circumstance, every situation will work together for good for those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. God is faithful. Trust in Him this morning. He is faithful to provide. He is faithful to heal. He is faithful to save. He is faithful to restore. He is faithful to fix. He is faithful to give wisdom. He is faithful to give you strength. He is faithful to protect you. And he is faithful to never leave you or forsake you. So Lord, we just thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful. And we stand on that this week, this month, this year. That you never change. That your word will come to pass for what it was intended for. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Uh, we have some uh, prayer teams that will be up here in the front as we close the service. If you have never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Come up here. They will pray with you. They will lead you in a prayer. Your life will be radically changed forever, and it won't actually get any easier. Everybody still listen to me? Oh, what did he just say? He said, come accept Jesus. And it doesn't mean your life gets easier. It means that God is going to be with you. And in your life, he's going to challenge you on things. And he's going to help you grow. And he's going to be with you. And he loves you and he cares for you. If you need prayer for healing or just a relationship or just agreement about anything, they'll be here to pray with you. And let me send you guys out with this benediction. Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, you, and you, and you, being rooted and grounded in love, that we would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled, church, that you would be filled with the fullness of God every day, every hour, every minute of this week. Be blessed in Jesus' name. You're dismissed.